What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Checkup Podcast. This is Caleb Willard. Man, I am stoked. This was a great week of football. I don't care who you are. I don't care what game you watched. I watched all these games. And it was a great week of football, guys. It really was. Um, super excited that the league is back. Awesome to see fans there. I'm going to uh, going to a Washington game myself soon. I'm excited. You know, um, man, I'm excited. So, and we had a lot of things happen. All right, it wasn't just that football was back, but it was football was back, and and I was right about a lot of things. I was wrong about a couple. Um, but man, I'm, I'm just, I'm stoked. We're going to get right into this. We're not going to waste any time. Uh, just so you know, we're going to go chronologically. So if you're looking for a specific game, fast forward, um, to put that in perspective, we're going to talk about Dallas Tampa first and Ravens Raiders last. Okay. Thursday night to Monday night. So if you're looking for a game in between there, good luck finding it. I'm talking about all of them. So let's, let's start with Dallas Tampa, man. What an opening game of the season. Dallas loses by two. Um, my takeaways from the game. So, what, one of the things, one of the few things that I was wrong about was how good Dak was going to come out. You know, all the preseason analysts, and not even just analysts, but, you know, the fact that Dak didn't play a single preseason game. I mean, everything showed that Dak was hurting a little bit more than... He was letting on. And uh, you could not tell. Dak had 400 yards. He had three touchdowns, one pick. And if I'm being really honest, because I hate the Cowboys, but his the, the one pick wasn't even really his fault. Actually, the pick was a great pass into triple coverage. Um, and, and it bounced off the receiver's hands and got picked. So it was just, a, you know, it was like Brady's, uh, Brady's second interception. That went off Leonard Fournette's hands. It wasn't his fault at all. So, Dak had an amazing game. Amari Cooper showed why he's a top three route runner in the league. He had 11 catches, 140 yards, two touchdowns. Looked amazing. Okay. Um, And I've been on the Amari Cooper train. I'm a believer of Amari Cooper. I thought that was the biggest pickup Dallas has made in years. And he proved why I'm right with that. You know, Dak was a draft. Amari was a pickup. But here's where it kind of goes downhill for Dallas. You got these two amazing pieces, right? Dak, Amari, even C.D. Lamb had a great game. But there's two glaring problems when it comes to the Cowboys. Okay? One, they are probably the most one-dimensional team in football. They really excel in passing, and they suck at everything else. All the defensive numbers were inflated. Look, they let Tampa Bay score 31 points with four turnovers. And those four turnovers were all kind of stupid turnovers. Um, and so, I mean, let's let's review. Chris Godwin, first of all, not only did he have a fumble inside the red zone, but Chris Godwin also dropped a touchdown pass. Okay? Um, Freaking... Tom Brady threw a pick at halftime on a Hail Mary attempt. That was nothing. I said earlier that uh, one of the interceptions was Leonard Fournette just dropping a pass and the defender picking it up. And 
Ronald Jones had another bad fumble. So, so Dallas got four turnovers and really didn't do anything with them. All right, like the defense didn't cause those turnovers. That was more Tampa error than anything. And like I said, this just goes back to them being a one-dimensional team. You know, Dallas's offense allows them to to have games, right? To be in games. But to close games, you got to have something else. A great comparison is Giannis and the Bucks, right? Giannis doesn't close games. He makes games. He makes games possible to win because of his dominant style, okay? But Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday were closing out games. They were the ones making the last plays of the game to bring it together. Same way with Dallas, man. Dallas's offense, their passing offense looked great. 29 points. Okay? But the run game looked terrible. Zeke had 30 yards. I mean, Zeke just looks pathetic nowadays. And the defense, like I said, was inflated. And even even with it being inflated, they, Tampa still scored 31 points. Was like the deep. I mean, Dallas Dallas left a minute 20 on the clock, and Tom Brady had to throw three passes away on purpose just to waste some more time. That's how that's how quickly he went down the field. So my takeaway: Dallas is good. Dallas's passing offense is better than I thought, but their team still sucks. I don't think, I don't even, I, they, you know, does Dak coming back the way he did improve their chances of taking the division? Yes, but I'm not willing to give them the division over Washington yet, to be honest. I just, I'm, I gotta see more. I gotta see that Dak can win these games by himself, because that's not easy to do. And that's despite Washington being down another quarterback. We'll get to that in a couple games. Um... From the Bucks side, Bucks came out great. Uh, I heard a lot of people saying that they were going to come out all slumpy because Super Bowl hangover, and I said that's ridiculous. This is Tom Brady, and that was correct. Tom, Tom threw 380 yards, four touchdowns, two picks. Um, neither pick was really his fault. So, great game by him. Um, Chris Godwin and Gronk were wide receiver two and three. And they still combined for 17 catches and 195 yards. Antonio Brown was actually receiver one with 121 yards. Their offense looks amazing. They didn't even have to run because everybody was wide open for them. Their defense looked pretty good. Uh, all things considered, Tampa Bay is a tough team to beat, man. So they definitely looked not, you know, they, they didn't look undefeated. Like, they're not a team that we're going to worry about, you know, going 16, 17 and 0, or I guess, yeah, 17 and 0 now, 18 and 0, no, it's 17 and 0, um, but, you know, they don't look invincible, they definitely, you can see that you can, one, overwhelm their defense, their defense is secondary, is reliant on that front seven, so a team with a good line will stand a chance, um, Next game was Jacksonville and Houston. Houston won 37-21. Biggest takeaways, Trevor's not bad. Okay, uh, I think a lot of people are getting caught up on his three picks. But we need to turn this around and realize this is Trevor's first game in the NFL. 
and he threw 51 times without a run game. Okay, the running game was awful. He threw 51 times, threw 332 yards, three touchdowns, three picks. I'm not worried about Trevor. Uh, Houston looked okay, all things considered. Brandon Cooks looked like a good receiver, a good option. I think they stand more of a chance when uh, when Deshaun comes back. If Deshaun comes back, I think they'll win more of these games. But this wasn't too significant. Tyrod Taylor's always been a great backup. Uh, Mark Ingram looked good. I'm sure the Ravens are kicking themselves after getting rid of Mark Ingram or not re-signing Mark Ingram. But, uh, yeah, nothing too significant for the league here besides Trevor being not bad, right? I mean, it's not like he went up against a crazy defense. So, we'll see. We'll give it some time. Uh, so, next up, we have the Chargers and Washington. And so, I got a couple things to say about this game. Because this was not the best game to watch, but there was a couple important things that occurred. One, uh, Washington's quarterback went down, Ryan Fitzpatrick. And Heineke came in. And, man, I don't know if it's just that teams aren't prepared for Heineke. But Heineke looked good. And he looked good against the defense that's real. You know, Derwin James, that defense is a real defense. Um, Heineke looked good. I think the offense that the Redskins, that Washington runs sucks. I think it I think it features too much run game and not enough targets on Terry McLaurin. I think Terry McLaurin showed why he needs more targets because that one left that one catch down the left sideline was amazing. Um, ultimately, the the fumble by um, Antonio Gibson cost in the game. Uh, the defense came out slow in that first quarter. That was also a factor in them losing. They only lost by four, though. Not a terrible game by Washington. Things to improve on. Let's go to the, to the Chargers, because here is where the good take is. If I had to tell you who the offensive rookie of the year is right now, who the rookie of the year is, period, right now. I'm telling you, Rashawn Slater would be my option. That's who I would choose. Rashawn Slater is a rookie left tackle that played one of the best games I've seen from a uh, from a tackle in a long time. Rashawn Slater had to deal with Chase Young and Montez Sweat and, th and didn't didn't allow a single sack. Very impressive. First game as a rookie. He looked amazing. He gave Justin Herbert plenty of opportunity to throw. I was honestly surprised that the Chargers weren't more productive on offense, given the amount of time that Justin Herbert had. And, you know, the fact that Washington's secondary is good, but not amazing. You know, Washington's defense as a whole, I feel like, is a tad overrated right now. Um, and I expected a little bit more from Herbert. I didn't expect him to just throw one touchdown. Especially when you got Keenan Allen and and uh, Mike Williams and Jared Cook. But not a bad start. Herbert still threw 330, 330 you know, 340. 
The name to remember, though, when you talk about that game was Rashawn Slater. Offensive, uh, if, if we allow, you know, this is what it comes down to, is if we're going to allow a tackle to, you know, to get offensive rookie of the year, you know, a real award, it's got to be Rashawn. Rashawn was so dominant. That was ridiculous. It really was. Um, next up was Seattle versus Indianapolis. And where where was I right? Um, Carson Wentz played is where I was right. Carson Wentz played. He looked decent. Um, to be honest, the receivers looked like they suck. Uh, for for what, actually for you know the majority of Carson Carson's career, he hasn't had very good team. You know, hasn't had very good receivers. And once again, it looked like the receivers were struggling to get open. Uh, Wentz threw 251 yards and two touchdowns. And I think the best receiver had 43 yards. The best receiver on the field for the Colts had 43 yards, and that was it. So the Colts looked like they were struggling a little bit. Their defense, uh, you know, their secondary had all they could handle with Russ. And that offense, Russ always comes out of the season just, you know, you know, foot to the foot to the floor, pedal to the metal. Russ came out four touchdowns, no picks. Um, Chris Carson had a hundred yards rushing almost. Seattle just looked, they just looked like the better team. Indianapolis looks like they got some things to work through, um, but all in all, Wentz looked good, and that's all that matters. Um, moving on to the Jets Carolina game. So, not that I was wrong, um, Zach played okay. Like, Zach actually threw a great ball. He he threw two touchdowns. He had, he actually had 260 yards, um, and, and he had a lot of pressure on him. A lot of drops by receivers. He had six sacks, right? I mean, Zach was getting kind of brutalized out there. And Sam, I could just see Sam smiling on that sideline. Because Sam, for the first time in his career, just got asked to chill. Just be a game manager. And Sam loved it. Threw 280 yards, a touchdown. CMC got back into action. Had 98 rushing yards with 9 catches and you know another 90 receiving yards. I mean, can't get much better than that, right? So... If I had to put a critique out there, it would be, you know, for be Carolina to get some more receivers for Sam and maybe a little better defense. But all in all, the biggest takeaway of that game was Zach looked decent, but they're not going to be successful. And Sam looks great. And and you know what? And so does CMC coming off that injury. So Carolina's in a good place. Zach, Zach is in for a long season. Next game, we have... Minnesota versus Cincinnati. That was kind of crazy game. Uh, Minnesota took it to overtime and lost. Takeaways. First of all, Kirk played a great game. Okay, Kirk threw 350 yards and two touchdowns. Kirk's decision-making is getting better. Every year, it takes a step forward. It has taken a step forward. And this was uh, this was another example of that. Um, my biggest takeaway of the game was Adam Thielen is better than Justin Jefferson. 
that was the biggest takeaway for me. Adam Thielen had 92 yards and two touchdowns. He was covered like the number one receiver. Um, he has been covered as the number one receiver since, you know, he was covered as the number one receiver last year too when Justin Jefferson was there. People don't realize how much pressure is on the number one receiver of the team. Like how much of the defense's preparation is on them. Okay, this this could be a you know against uh you know Cincinnati doesn't have a crazy um, secondary, right? And so they can't really shut the wide receiver one down. And it showed. Adam Thielen had 90, you know, was the better receiver of the two. When they play teams with good secondaries, then teams usually have to rely on the wide receiver too, a.k.a. Justin Jefferson, which is where Justin Jefferson gets his yards from. So it, the same thing happened this week with the Falcons, right? Um, you... Went from having Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. So where Julio is the number one option, Calvin is the clear-cut number two, but Calvin's still a good number two. So when you focus on Julio, all of a sudden the numbers just kind of get moved to Calvin. And a lot of people last year said that Calvin is the number one of the team and that Julio fell off. That's not true. Julio is just getting covered like the, you know, the number one receiver of the team. Okay, it's not that Julio is falling off. It's that more... More resources are being allocated to covering him okay but when those resources aren't available this is what happens adam Thielen goes off for the falcon in, in the falcons case you know all the quote-unquote resources all the secondary was focused on calvin ridley how did calvin ridley play this week pretty bad he had five catches for 50 yards okay there, look, I'm telling you, there is a big difference between the number one receiver and the number two receiver. And this is how this is how it's proved. When you went against a secondary that couldn't, you know, had to evenly guard you. Dewan showed up. And uh, he showed up a whole lot more than uh, Justin Jefferson did. I'll tell you that much. Uh, so on the flip side of that, we had Joe Burrow, 261 yards, two touchdowns. He looked pretty good. Chase Young looked a lot. I mean, not Chase Young. Um, Jamar Chase looked pretty good, 100 yards. He had a touchdown. Joe, my biggest takeaway from that was how good Joe Mixon and Joe Burrow looked. Uh, Joe Burrow, like I said, coming off an injury. I expected all these players coming off injury to start off a lot slower. Um, Joe Burrow, Dak Prescott, CMC. Odell hasn't come back, but I expected him to, if he was going to play, to play slow. And they came back firing, man. And that was that was the biggest place where I was wrong. You know, I've had those injuries. I know a lot of people with these knee injuries. Um, and it takes a lot. But we're getting, I guess, we're getting used to uh, these, play, these new players. are getting used to modern medicine, man. It's crazy. You know, it's like Kevin Durant. I expected Kevin Durant to come back kind of slow. And Kevin Durant came back a better player off his Achilles injury. So I guess that's just something I got to get used to. Which, hey, cool. I can get used to that. Trust me. I, I'm i all in for that. Uh, next game was Arizona versus Tennessee. 
a huge road blowout for Arizona, who won 38-13. to Kyler had five touchdowns and a pick. Four of those throwing, one rushing. Kyler looked amazing. To be honest, Kyler looked like what we what people want Lamar to be. A shifty quarterback who can run and pass. Okay? Kyler Kyler was scrambling you know all around that pocket. He was making defenders fall. He plays a whole lot like Lamar. He really does, except he's pass first. He has a very similar – the skill set between Kyler and Lamar is not big. It's actually quite small. When you looked at last year, Kyler had 800 yards rushing. He only had a couple hundred less than Lamar. And the only reason he had less was because he's pass first. Lamar is not pass first. Lamar is run first. This is what Lamar could look like. He could look like Kyler does right now. And and let me tell you, if I'm being honest, Tennessee's secondary is better than the Raiders. It, it is. And Kyler fried him. Um, Derrick Henry, I mean, Arizona's defense. Can we talk about Arizona's defense? Chandler Jones had five sacks him by himself. Derrick Henry got held to 58 yards. And when it came time for, you know, Ryan Tannehill to be the savior that the Titans want to pretend he is, he only threw 200 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Nothing crazy there. Kyler was the highlight of that game and Arizona's defense. If Arizona's defense is going to play like that all season long, Arizona is going to be a huge problem. Okay, I... I mean, I this is a team that if their defense is going to play like that, I mean, they're going to win another game or two. Then you know, another game or two that I already haven't projected winning. So, uh, I was already big on Arizona. This was like confirmation, yes. Get in on Arizona. Uh so then we had San Francisco, Detroit. Um Detroit, it was kind of funny. The lines were getting blown out, and then uh, Jared Goff was like, wait, I need to show my team something. So Jared Goff started to go off. Score was 41-33. to 33. Jimmy Garoppolo looked good. You know, he looked comfortable. Um, he was very efficient. Threw 300 yards and a touchdown. Uh, their running back, Eli Mitchell, he looked great. He had 100 yards and a touchdown. And, I'm, you know, to have 100 yards in that running system is impressive because they put so many running backs on the field. But the biggest highlight for that San Francisco offense was Debo Samuel. That man went crazy. I don't think people realized. Uh, so, first of all, Debo got injured last year. He missed six games. Uh, and, and we knew he was good his rookie year. But to come out, I mean, dude, all these injured guys, I'm telling you, that's the biggest takeaway from the NFL Week 1, is that injuries made no difference in the game. Debo Samuel came out, had 9 catches, 189 yards, and a touchdown. After missing 6 games last year. So, the defense was slacking from, you know, their Super Bowl run shape. Uh, 
but man, Debo looked great. Eli looked great. Jimmy looked okay. That's a solid team. Um, Jared Goff, like I said, at the towards the end of that game, he started playing like he has something to prove, which he does. He had 340 yards and three touchdowns, um, and no run game, but he's feeling the the Matt what Matt Stafford felt for so many years. Uh, I Goff's stats are a little inflated, to be honest. He had 19 dump down passes to his running backs, so. Lions ain't going nowhere. That's not a surprise. I feel bad for Jared. I hope Jared gets to play his career out and at least get paid by, you know, at least get paid if you're not going to win. At least get paid by Detroit. So, but San Francisco, man, that offense looks even better than it did. Uh, so next we had the Steelers-Bills game, which was a great game. Actually, no, I take that back. It really wasn't a great game. It was a really ugly game, but it was fun to watch. Steelers won 23-16, to and the Steelers offense sucked. Okay, the Steelers offense was so ugly. You know, Big Ben had, didn't have 200 yards. He, he had 188 yards, a touchdown. Uh, Najee Harris only had 45 yards. He was struggling, but their defense you know, like I said, I feel like right now, I said this earlier, that Washington's defense is a little overhyped because the defenses at the top of the league are just crazy. Okay, this this Steelers defense had four forced fumbles and seven pass def, uh, deflections. He They held Josh Allen to 270 yards and a touchdown. They held their defense, uh, they held their running game up to a Singletary to 72 yards. They were just all over Josh, making him uncomfortable. To beat the Bills like this was, was tough. That was all defense. That was all TJ Watt and company. Minka Fitzpatrick had a great game. I mean, this Steelers defense is, ah, man, the only, it's top two. The gap between Steelers and, I, you know, I was realizing this while watching this game. This gap between Steelers and the, uh, wow, gosh, the Rams. Thank you. Uh, the Steelers and Rams defenses versus the rest of the league is huge. So, Steelers won that game, stole that game from the Bills. Um, next game was the Eagles and Falcons game. Jalen Hurts looked pretty good. I will give it to the kid. He had 264 yards and three touchdowns. Um, and Devontae Smith and Jalen Rieger both had touchdowns. So that was cool to see for Philly. Um, the real story here was the Falcons are missing Julio. Without, you know, the, the first game without Julio being mentioned, you know, he might be in the starting lineup. You know, the first game coming off of a Julio trade, Matt Ryan didn't break 200 yards. Matt Ryan only threw for 164 yards. Calvin Ridley only had 54 of them. I'm sorry, 51 of them. Kyle Pitts, he had 31 yards. Man, it just that was a mistake. They should have just paid Julio. They should have just gave Julio the money. Should have given a bag. But it is what it is. Sucks to suck. Um, but that's the biggest takeaway. No Julio means no Falcons. I mean, you can't get crapped on by the 
Philadelphia Eagles like that. That was just 32 to six. You're gonna let Jalen Hurts, you know, throw three touchdowns. Just man. Um, next game was a thriller. The Browns Chiefs game. You know, man, that was a great game. Um, if you didn't know, the Chiefs were down 22 to 10, and they came back and won 33 to 29. Um, t- biggest takeaway, man, I think this is a little hot for people, but I want you to understand Tyree Kill's value. I just don't people understand. Why Tyreek is so great. Like, people don't want to talk about Tyreek being a top three receiver in the league. But what people don't understand is that when you're chasing somebody, okay, when you're running when you're running behind somebody, alright, if you feel like you can catch up to him, okay, like, if you feel you're just as fast to him, fast as him, right, you're not paying attention to them and their speed. You are able to then focus on what's going on around you. You're able to see you're able to see your surroundings and and play off of them. You know, if I see a guy going down the left sideline and I'm just as fast as him, I can then take in some information about what's going on around me so I can make a better play. Tyree Kill eliminates that. There's no cornerback that's as quick as and as fast as Tyreek. So when Tyree Kill gets going, the cornerback is forced to drop his head down and chase after him. And that plays such a huge advantage. You know, Patrick Mahomes made that wild throw to Tyreek, and a lot of people were saying, what a what a throw by Patty. But to be honest, it wasn't a great throw by Patty. It was short. The only reason it was a great throw was because Tyreek had his man beat so bad that his man couldn't look up and look for the ball. His man had to put his head down and chase after Tyreek. Tyreek was able to slow down, stop, get the catch. That's why the play happened. You know, I like Patrick Mahomes. He's he's filthy. He's disgusting. He's the top, you know, I've said this. He's top two. And after A-Rod's performance this past week, you know, he, he probably took one after this week, <laughs> even though I'm not really holding that against Aaron at all. You know, it's one game out of the season. We don't got to overhype it. It's one game after years of dominance. We don't have to overhype it. But that being said, um, Tyree Kill is a huge factor into Patrick Mahomes' success. And for people not to want to give Tyreek a top three spot is kind of crazy to me. Because what he does is something that no other wide receiver does. You know, Hopkins, Devontae Adams. Uh, the only one in recent memory that did something like it was Julio. Because Julio was, I mean, Julio's an animal too. Not not quite as much anymore, but prime Julio, he'd make you put your head down too. And that was part of the reason he was so effective. Um... So, from the other side of the ball, from, you know, to the Browns, the biggest takeaway for the Browns, you know, is that they can beat the Chiefs. They could. They could have beat them, uh, to be fair. Nick Chubb's fumble was costly. He had a good game, but that fumble was what kind of ruined it. So, 
they're you know don't there's nothing to feel too bad about they're probably going to see him in the playoffs and they have a chance i mean that was in arrowhead like that was a home game for the chiefs baker threw 320 yards um they played a great smart running game nick chubb had two touchdowns and 83 yards i'm pretty sure kareem hunt had another touchdown so they didn't rely on baker um, Baker's one pick came really late in the game. He was just trying to, you know, make a play so that they could stay in the game. Understandable. Not holding that against Baker. They're gonna be fine, you know. And and for me, this was this was cementing the fact the Browns are gonna have. Well, the Browns are gonna win their division. I think that's pretty. I think that's more than fair to say. Uh, I think they're gonna. I think their offensive line can handle the Steelers' defense enough. That the Browns will squeak out wins against them. So, moving on, we have the Packers-Saints game. Okay, so, like I said, I was saying Aaron had the worst game ever by Aaron Rodgers. I don't even know if this was a real game for Aaron. Was Aaron doing this in spite of the Packers? You know, who knows? I'm not going to look too much into it. We're just going to move on. Aaron had the worst game he's ever played. He's not going to ever play like this again. Uh, if you think that, then you need to go watch some Aaron you know, some Aaron Rodgers highlights, because Aaron Rodgers was, he's, he's pretty goatly, if I do say so, um, and you gotta remember, you know, this was not just on Aaron, Aaron was under constant pressure throughout the game, um, their best running back had 19 yards, there was no running game, the defense was terrible, the defense didn't have a sack, didn't have a pick, they're only, they had one pass deflection. That was it. You know, it was a joke. It was just a joke of a game for the Packers. The flip side, though, was that this was the... I could not have planned my episodes more perfect. I could not have talked about Jameis Winston. We talked about Jameis Winston an episode or two ago. If you haven't seen that episode, listen to that episode. You need to go listen to it. I, t I explain why Jameis was an amazing pickup by the Saints. And Jameis proved it. He had the most efficient game he has ever played. Alright? You think Aaron Rodgers had a, had a rough day, right? Aaron Rodgers threw 133 yards. Well, you know, Jameis only threw 148 yards. But Jameis threw five touchdowns and zero picks. Jameis had a great game. For, you know, when he was on the, uh, on the Buccaneers, he was asked to be the front and center. He was asked to throw the ball. You don't think, like, one one interesting thing about Jameis Winston and his time with the Buccaneers was that the offensive coordinator, um, who, I don't remember his name, I think he's on the Bucks right now, actually, um, every quarterback that has played under this offensive coordinator that Jameis Winston had in that 30 interception season, every quarterback that has played under this offensive coordinator has had a has had their career high in interceptions while playing for him. And that list included Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. So, take James's 30 pick season with a grain of salt. This kid is great. This kid is fantastic. This kid threw 5 touchdowns against the Packers. Believe in it, man. They're serious. These <laughs> that's a great way to start your season by taking down the MVP and a team that went to the, the NFC championship game.
So I'm excited for Jameis. Buy some stock in Jameis Winston. He's going to make it this year. Um, next up, Broncos-Giants. Uh, to me, this was like, Daniel Jones sucks. What are we doing? What are the Giants doing? That's what this game was. Uh, they, the Broncos are decent. Uh, Teddy was okay. Um, Melvin Gordon was pretty good. The biggest takeaway for the Broncos is like, man, Jerry Judy got hurt. So uh, I hope that he comes back soon because he's going to be important for your offense. I'm not sure how successful Teddy Bridgewater is going to be the longer that Jerry Judy's out. Um, but Danny, Danny Dimes had 267 yards, a touchdown, and a fumble. Saquon was limited. The, you know, the biggest takeaway from them is that Sterling Shepard is a good good wide receiver for him. That was honestly about it. The Giants, I mean, after watching this game, I really wasn't impressed with the Giants' defense. That's all I hear about is the Giants' defense. And, you know, I have a lot of Giants fans tell me that the Giants' defense is just as good as the Washington football teams, and that was clearly not the case. And it, I just... I don't really know what we're uh, talking about there. So, Giants might bottom out of their division. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe Philly takes their spot as the third worst in the division instead of the fourth. Time will tell. The Broncos. This was more of a testament how easy the Broncos' schedule is going to be for the next few weeks. They got blessed. So, don't try not to think about it too much. When you think about their the Broncos' division, don't think about them too much. They got they got. A stupid easy start. Um, man, we only got three more games left. So, Dolphins Patriots. Um, biggest takeaway for this game. One, Mac Jones looked pretty good. Uh, Mac threw 280 yards, a touchdown. Damian Harris actually looked fantastic. He had 100 rushing yards. So the offense didn't look bad. Um, Nelson Aguilar looked pretty good. The issue... The issue for the Patriots was actually... Uh, was fumbles. Um, they had four fumbles as a team, which is absurd. I think all four came from running back. Actually, I think one came from back. And three came from running backs. They had four fumbles in total. You can't. I mean, you're not gonna win. You're not gonna win a game with four turnovers. Like you're fumbling the ball four times, you're just not gonna win. Tua didn't play well. Tua, like watching that game, I decided that Mac is better than Tua. Like that was confirmed. Like I, I believed that before this season, and then this was like, yeah, it's true. Tua sucked. Um, their defense didn't play great against New England and their defense isn't bad. So I'm not um I'm not a huge believer in them. Uh, New England last year went seven and nine. I mean not New England, sorry. Um gosh, looking at the wrong team. Miami last year went ten and six. Dude, I don't think Miami gets ten and six this year. Like Ten wins is a lot for Miami. It's a lot for Miami. It's kind of pushing it. Not, not a believer. Um, but relatively unimportant game. Let's let's switch it up. So the last two games were amazing. Bears Rams. Uh, Matt Stafford looked good. 
Matt Stafford looks confident. Matt Stafford looks like everything that I thought Matt Stafford was going to look like. Man, looks like a stud, threw 320 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Cooper Cup was great. Um, their running back, Henderson, was pretty good. He wasn't, you know, not, not nothing crazy. Matt Stafford was definitely the leader of that team. They clicked. I mean, it was just it was just nice to see. As a fan of Matt Stafford, it was nice to see him go somewhere that is really going to appreciate him and value him and his contribution. This is the team for it. Their secondary was menacing. Uh, they had seven pass deflections and a pick. They're, you know, they racked up three sacks. Andy Dalton was, you know, they made Andy Dalton look like an idiot. Um, all of his passes were dump passes. He had 200 yards and a pick. You know, their highlight of the Bears was Montgomery, and that was it. Montgomery had 108 yards, which is impressive against his defense. It is. I'll give that to Montgomery. The rest of the team looked terrible. Matt Stafford looked amazing. The Rams going to steamroll people, and I love it every second of it. But this last game was crazy, and I hope everybody saw this game. The Ravens-Raiders game. Whew. You know, I already know I'm going to get hate for talking about this game. I already know it's coming. I'm just accepting it. You know, I had some people over at my house this past weekend, and we had a huge Lamar Jackson debate. And the debate was whether or not Lamar was an elite quarterback. And I told the fans what they didn't want to hear was that was that in school, okay, when you're a student, you know, you're given there's there's five letter grades, right? A, B, C, D, E. Okay. And in order for you to be a successful student, you have to have at least a C. Okay? In order, in order, in order to be a successful student, you gotta have a C. A D, D's don't really get degrees. <laughs> D's really don't. I don't think they consider D's passing. Um, I'm just kidding. They don't consider them passing. They really don't. It's so you you gotta be top 30, 40 percent to be considered successful. In order to be considered an elite student, all right. In college, you have to have more than a 93. In high school, it's a 90. So we'll take high school standard. All right, for you to be an elite student, you have to be in the 90th percentile. You have to be a top 10, per, a top 10 student. You got to be top 10% of your class in order to be considered an elite student. Top 10% of grades, right? And when you're when you get a C, you're average. You know, you get a C, like you, you can be successful. You you're considered a successful student, but it's a it's not to the same degree. Okay? When we look at quarterbacks, we gotta look at it the same way. Alright, top ten percent is elite. Alright, an A is an elite grade. You get an A you, like you're a great student if you get A's on your you know, all your stuff. If you are top 10% quarterback in the, in the league, you're elite. Which means there can only be three elite quarterbacks. Which makes sense, because if everybody is elite, then who is elite, right? You can't have 10 elite quarterbacks. Then there is no elite quarterbacks. 
All right, you can't seriously tell me that there's 10 quarterbacks that you would just take. Like, you wouldn't care. If I told you that I can give you Patrick Mahomes or I can give you Matt Stafford, you're taking Matt Stafford. You're going to feel real gypped if I give you – if I if I don't give you Patty, right? I think I said that wrong. Let me, let me repeat that. If we're drafting fantasy teams, okay, and I say, you know – that Matt Stafford and Patrick Mahomes are on the same level, you're going to look at me like I'm crazy. You're going to look at me and say, I want Patrick Mahomes over Stafford. Why? Because he's better. All right? If if we have Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes and you get to pick one, you're taking Patrick over him, right? Because they're not on the same playing field. They're different. Patrick is better. All right? Lamar is not a top three quarterback. He had three fumbles against the Raiders it was an awful game he fumbled three times two of them were in the fourth quarter in overtime he basically single-handedly lost the game for him I don't care that he had 235 yards and touchdown I mean and uh yeah and a touchdown and 86 rushing yards when he choked that hard so oh well you're early um Men's men's choked unbelievably hard in the fourth quarter. The Raiders had like the worst decision making that I've ever seen. I gotta say, I think the I think the Raiders have the worst situational football staff there is in the league. I don't know what they were doing in overtime with that field goal attempt. No idea. That field goal attempt was they they like ran out onto the field with on second down on like the forty with the field goal unit and then had a delay game called on them, which took them out of field goal range. I just, I don't understand what they were thinking. Uh, but regardless, the Raiders still managed to win that game with, despite how ugly the game was, Derek Carr looked better than Derek Carr usually does. I don't want to hear anything about Derek Carr being an elite quarterback though. I just, I'm already sick of Lamar Jackson fans complaining about their quarterback not being elite. We're not going to get into it about Derek Carr too. Like, Derek Carr had a great game. Not going to hold that against him. Um, Darren Waller also had 19 targets. Okay, I like, Darren Waller was also the majority of that offense. It wasn't necessarily Derek Carr. So, we can still your role with this Derek Carr stuff. He's got a lot of quarterbacks to beat out. <laughs> I mean, Matt Stafford's in a lot better position to be way more consistent than uh, Derek Carr does, but my biggest takeaway from Der- from the uh, from the Raiders was their defensive end Crosby. Crosby looked like a menace. I never heard about Crosby before the Raiders game. I mean, I'd heard of him, but like I hadn't really paid attention to him. But I watched Lamar. I watched Lamar roll out to the right side of the pocket, and Crosby like scared him off of running like Lamar went to go make a move and he realized that Crosby was going to hit him and Lamar ended up just throwing it away it was it was very strange for Lamar to not try to juke somebody out but Lamar didn't even try with Crosby Crosby was on his butt the entire game it was impressive maybe the Raiders defense actually made some progress this offseason we will see but honestly it was a fun game to watch it was also a really ugly game. It's kind of like that Steelers-Tennessee game where it was just the football wasn't great, but it was entertaining enough that you were into the game. Um, 
I don't know. I hope the Ravens get it together because I can't see Lamar choke. I just I can't see him choke like that again. That was ugly. And I, you know, some of that's on the coaching staff. I get it. But when you when you fumble three times in a game, man, you're uh. It's not hard yeah, Trey. Uh, Trey, our other host, just got here. He's he's saying it's not very hard to outsmart John Cruden, <laughs> historically speaking. Especially, like I said, I think the Raiders have the worst situational football staff in the league. I mean, like it is awful. And they got outsmarted. They got outplayed by the Ravens in overtime, which was just embarrassing. So, can't wait for next week. Uh, this is Checkup Podcast. Give us a follow on Instagram, Checkup underscore Pod. We'll see you next week.